Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for another great episode, you know, where we talk with entrepreneurs every time about their journey, the struggle, the, you know, overcoming adversity, um, anxiety, just a lot of the pitfalls that go through getting started with anything, whether you're starting a business or trying to lose weight or trying to do some sort of you know hobby, it doesn't matter. We all have a lot of challenges with it. So I think collectively as a whole, if we can continue to share experiences and knowledge that we've been through, it's only going to help everyone else out um, that also wants to learn on whatever path they're on. So I know you guys are going to enjoy another great episode here. I have Sarah Miltenberger as my guest today. She is super passionate about building community and sustainability education. She worked for Tesla and then decided to start her own sustainability consulting business where she helps fashion and beauty brands redesign their packaging and their corporate strategy. She also has a podcast called Make Climate Cool Again um, that we talk about a little bit on this episode as well. She's just an all-around cool girl. I met her about a year ago at the Next Gen Summit up in New York. We were standing in line uh, waiting for Kim Kopp uh, to you know, do some conversation with her and ask her some questions, and we got into a good discussion. So it was really fun and really great opportunity um, you know, to meet people in a serendipitous way. Um, and here we are a year later and she's on the podcast and we go deep into her journey and especially a lot of great learning about how she got started with some of her endeavors. So I know y'all are going to love this episode. Let's jump into it and my chat today with Sarah Miltenberger. Let's get it started. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Awesome to talk with you again. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny that when we first met and you were giving me advice about how to start a podcast, I didn't ever think that I would then later be able to be a guest on your podcast. So I guess I've, I've been doing some good work. <laughs> well, you, you have, and, and, and I want to talk through some of that, you know, with you, but, but actually it's, you know, maybe we'll settle on to start with, with the podcast. Cause it is interesting because yeah, when we talked before and you know, you're thinking about going into podcasting and now you're 29-ish episodes in, right? Yeah. I mean, there, that's my whole thing that I always bring up and people have asked me is like, what if you never did the podcast? Like, how has the podcast changed your life in the last 29 oh episodes? Oh my God. It's, I feel like it's completely changed. Um, and like in, in the best ways. I think number one, when you start a podcast, you're terrified of what you sound like and you have no idea how people are going to respond to it. And at some point you're like, well, I'm just going to keep putting out episodes every week and maybe you'll get feedback eventually. And that's essentially what happens is you start to get that, that loyalty. But I think what's been exciting is I get to reach out to so many brands because I'm media and I get to actually have conversations and I feel like I can get an inside perspective and access to people I never would have been able to reach out to before. So it's changed in that way where I have more confidence in talking to people because I have something to offer and that is marketing, free marketing essentially, that we all benefit from. I get to learn from them they get an experience that's exciting and the listeners obviously have an opportunity to hear from a brand maybe that they're interested in and it's very engaging so i love it i never thought i would love it as much as i do but it's it's a lot of work though it's super fun but it's a lot of work do you think I, i'm curious like what would you be doing now if you didn't start a podcast like, how do you think you would have got, would you be doing the same thing you're doing today in terms of what, I know you're working with a lot of different brands on packaging and stuff, like all of that, right? I mean, would you, do you think you'd still be doing that or would it just be a different angle you're taking? Uh, I think it would probably be a different angle. Like, I think the podcast is just a really, I never thought of it like this before, but it's just a great marketing strategy for me in terms of showing what I know and how I'm constantly learning and having really impactful conversations with different brands. And that's been really helpful. And, and also people reach out to me all the time now for my business. So, you know, I think every entrepreneur knows that you have to figure out what your strengths and your weaknesses are 
and social media is definitely one of my weaknesses, but in my mind, like the podcast is such a strength that I don't necessarily have to do 8 million other marketing things because the podcast really speaks for itself. No pun intended. Well, I want to take a step back here because, you know, you were, you went into the corporate, right? I mean, you work for Tesla, right? I mean, that's pretty well-known brand. I think Elon just had his baby. Oh, today, yeah. right? I was um, reading about it last night. Right. Um, I don't remember what he named the, I don't know. It's like X E three, two. It's like a barcode. It's Is it really? kind of weird. Yeah. It's not a real name. It's uh, like numbers. Interesting. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll I'm going to sidestep that topic. Um, I want to ask, because I'm I'm really intrigued is how, so at some point you decided I don't want to work in corporate America and I want to do my own thing. What was the delta between the time it took you from actually saying I want to do it and actually leaving and doing it? Yeah. So I think I've had a few opportunities before. I mean, my business now, Restore Media and Strategy is my third business and I'm 27 as of a couple days ago. So I'm not that old. Um, When I was in college, I had started a sports, a women's sports company and never was, never was confident enough in it to leave my job. So I had gotten this job after college and I was running the business called wannabe varsity. And I just never felt ready. I was just not confident. Um, I wasn't getting like the income. I just felt like I was a mess and like lost. And so I've always wanted to work for myself. Um, I've always just had this innate desire to be my own boss. And I always say having a business is like owning a house. Everything you do and learn, you're putting towards yourself. Like you're benefiting immediately from everything that you're doing. Whereas when you have a job for another business, yes, you're learning and you have all these benefits like renting an apartment. Um, you don't actually own it at the end of the day. You kind of leave and there's no loyalty to you. And I had a few experiences in corporate life. I was working for tech. I worked for tech for years. I was in sustainability. Um, I was an environmental scientist for a year and I just never felt like any company really looked out for me. And I loved Tesla. Do not get me wrong. But I was also there when there were massive layoffs. Um, And that was kind of crazy to watch the business ebb and flow with that. And I was extremely loyal to Tesla. But I think there was a moment where I just felt I had a vision on what I wanted to serve and how I wanted to give back to the world based on all this experience that I kind of gathered in the last few years in sustainability and knowing that it's such a small niche and knowing I have a lot to offer and just finally putting in the groundwork to start building that. I had no idea what that was going to look like in the long term. I just knew I had to get there. And then it just took me maybe six months to figure out all the little steps that it would take to get me. And I'm not even where that vision is that vision is definitely five years down the road but every step I take now is hopefully driving me towards that vision and what I want to eventually be able to create to give and that's like essentially gamifying sustainability to teach people about recycling and teach people about um how to like live a more sustainable lifestyle because it's just so different everywhere that yeah. everyone lives. I want to put a pin in that because I want to come back. I'm coming back to vision. I have it marked down on my list here. I want to go back to confidence. This is something I've struggled with a ton growing up into my twenties as I got in my early thirties. How did, and maybe you haven't overcome it yet. Maybe there's still bouts of that, but like, how do you think from that first company when you were younger and you said, I didn't have any confidence. I'm curious in two points. One, why didn't you have confidence? Did that stem back of something from childhood that is was you latched onto? And then part B is really, how did you plan to overcome it or, or actually overcome it? Yeah. So I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly. Um, but when I was in high school, 
I was on like this amazing feel lucky team that like won state championship every year. And I really, really struggled with my relationship with that experience. Um, my coach was very well known, has won awards for, you know, her coaching, but I felt so overlooked by her and just was not given the opportunities that I really wanted. And, you know, when you work so, so hard for something and you, you put in, you give everything to a team or a project or whatever it is, and you just get nothing in return. Like sometimes you fail. And in this case, I took that so personally that I had failed in this sport, even though I was going to go play in college, I never could like get over that experience that I had just like failed in field hockey with this team, even though I was a great player, it just, I just had this awful relationship with this coach. She just didn't care about me. And I did everything to kind of try to be what she wanted. And I just wasn't. And so when I went into college, I ended up just also failing at field hockey because I was not confident in my skills. And so my entire business was, there have to be, there's so many girls that feel like this, that don't have a coach or a person looking out for them in sport. How do I empower women, girls to take steps on their own to learn a sport or a skill or whatever it is. And I think what ended up happening was I never could shake that experience in sports. Um, and I went on and I was a captain of my golf team, like in college, like I, as much as I succeeded, I couldn't get over it. So I think ended up basically failing in that business is I just couldn't get over that experience of not feeling good enough in sports, even be a leader in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, and I felt the same, it's actually funny. I wrote a blog article about this recently. Um, but I kind of felt the same way. Like I was the, you know, I, I thought I had some skills or I thought I could, but I was, I think part of it was like upbringing, like being a middle child and stuff. I always play back to is like, I didn't have the confidence. Like I, I, I was scared to try out for the high school basketball team. Like, imagine that. <laughs> I just didn't even try for the basketball team. Cause I, I didn't feel I was good enough. And I didn't feel like that's, I look back, I'm like, Oh my God, what an idiot. But I, I feel your point. Cause I think sports, obviously, especially if you're really enthralled and you're really into it and you love it so much, it really hits hard, especially as a kid. Um, I didn't know you were you a golfer. You spend though. so much. I didn't know you were a golfer. Oh yeah, I um I played in high school. Uh, it was like my spring sport. I was like the only girl on a on the men's team. And yeah, I played what's your in college. What's your career low? Oh, probably like maybe six or seven over par. Like I wasn't that amazing. That's not bad. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad for just playing um, high school and, and college. That's pretty good. Now Most people I, would kill to break eighty. Yeah, I know. I And I just picked up the golf clubs recently uh, after, you know, living in New York City for five years. I, I didn't get to play that much. And so I finally can play now. And it, it wasn't bad. We got to work out a few things. But um, but yeah, I think it I think when you're in sports in general and uh, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that were athletes prior and. I don't know what it is exactly. There's just like, let's just drive to be better and to constantly be learning. And when you don't make any progress for a long enough period of time, it's really hard not to take that personally. So going back to why I didn't have confidence with wannabe varsity was just feeling like I wasn't good enough, like to even be talking about the subject because I had failed, you know, and in my mind I had failed and ultimately I couldn't get that off the ground, but leading to the decision now as to why I felt it also goes back to confidence. So when I graduated from Columbia university with my master's this past spring, I was like, I have the perfect resume. I have done all these projects. I've worked with the United nations. I worked for Tesla. Uh, I've got, I you know, graduated from great schools and great programs. There's nothing I can't do. Right. I'm like, I'm going to find a job so easily. And I start applying and just getting hammered, rejection after rejection after rejection. And then, or I would get an offer that was such a low ball offer that it was almost offensive. Um, and finally, I was, 
And I was like crying all the time. So I'm like, why am I not like good enough? It's hard not to take that personally. And finally I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like these companies don't even know what they're missing. Like I had to completely switch into a space of I'm way too good for this. I need to really believe in myself and what I've learned and like take that on my own. And so I just so happened that I had an an opportunity come up right as I was starting the podcast for a client, which led me to open up all these other doors. And it, it was really lucky, but at the same time, it was exactly what I needed. And I was in the right headspace for when it happened. Well, so if I go, if I can go deeper into that, well, so what happened between that point of no confidence starting the first business because of field hockey and, and that experience versus like, what are these, these people are missing out. I'm phenomenal. I can really help their organization. What, what did you, what shame? Because I, here's the thing. I know a, one, I was in that for a long period and I know a lot of folks and I feel bad as that they're always in a negative headspace and everything is a glass half empty and it, you can't get out of your own way. So how did you get out of your own way? So, so that was between those two moments in time, it was about four years. And I think there was just a lot of me putting in the work into what I really wanted to get out of what I thought was the career that I wanted. So it was about really putting my head down and learning as much as I could in my first job that I really hated. Um, ended up, you know, you have to put all this time and effort into getting a new job for a company that I really was passionate about and loved and was doing all this really cool work. And that was really where I got to create an opportunity for myself there where the company was like, yeah, you can start a sustainability program. Here's a budget. I did this whole pitch. So I was slowly, you know, building confidence by showing my company what I was capable of. At one point, I you know switched roles into doing even more technology and product development and getting to travel to Australia for work. And again, like just really investing in myself and like the tools that I wanted. And then I went to Columbia at part time while I was working. And so then I you know signed up for every possible leadership position. I was president of my class. I was super involved and just started just getting involved with people. And I think when you're passionate about something, um, I just started to put all my eggs in one basket, essentially, really diving into sustainability and learning everything I could and talking to everyone that I could. And that just really showed through to everyone that I met. And they're like, wow, this girl just like doesn't stop. She's just crushing life. And when people think that of you, then you're like their go-to person for any questions. And it just kind of compounded from there. And then when I got to like leave that company for Tesla, uh, that was like, I peaked. I thought I peaked. I'm like, oh my God, like I am good enough. Like Tesla likes me. Like this is a company that, and maybe it's because I put a lot of my self-worth into the work that I do. Um, and so from there, you know, after Tesla, I'm like, well, the only place I could that I felt like was good enough to move forward was either to have my own business or like work for like Google. Like that was, that was what I felt was um, like peaking, even though that's probably my own like perspective, maybe that that's not reality. Like there's so many other things you could do and be successful. But at that time, that was what I was feeling. So mm. I think it was just a lot of, just creating experiences for myself that I enjoyed. And uh, they say following your passion. And I hate that phrase because it's so hard, but just doing, spending time with people that have the same values as you and exploring new topics. And the more you explore and ask questions, the more you're confident in what you're talking about and getting involved and just having a voice in a space that you're interested in. Well, let me ask you about the, you just touched on it there about being around the right people, you know, support systems. I found have been unbelievable in, in, in both the positive and negative, if you're in the wrong situation or the right one. But I, I'm always curious this because I'm assuming, and some people unfortunately maybe don't have great family situation. I'm assuming there's at least some support from a family, unless you tell me otherwise, 
who else outside your family have you leaned on for support? What are other figures you have looked for, whether it's mentorship or just friendship or what have you, away from the family? Yeah, and I do have um, familial support to a degree. Um, you know, they don't always listen to the podcast, that's for sure. Um, but I think it's very, very hard. It was very hard for me to ask for support. Because I, I always assumed it would just come. I think a lot of people just assume you start a business or you start posting about a project you're working on that people are just going to love it and they're going to just like everything. That's just not how it works. You have to ask for help. Um, people don't know what you're expecting of them. And it took me a really long time to get the, understand that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out to friends from, you know, I, you know, re was reaching out to friends from undergrad, friends from Columbia to say, hey, and just being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm starting this podcast or this business. And I would love for you to just like it, like it or share it. Anything that you feel like you can contribute is, would be amazing. And some people do, and some people don't, and that's fine. And that doesn't mean that they're not your friend and it doesn't mean that they don't have your back. Um, but I do think when you're going into a business, you just assume everyone is going to like give you a hundred percent. And that's just not true. Everyone's busy and you have to understand that. So Okay, I'm really sorry. I forgot what the question was. No, that's good. <laughs> You're talking right anyway. Really, the support system. I mean, you've talked about it, reaching out to folks. And are there certain, like, I don't know if there's a mentor you have or there's a group, um, you know, obviously Next Gen, I know we're both part of, but like, what, what kind of support system do you have on there? Because I think there's a lot of, again, a lot of folks that I talk with, that's something that's lacking, I've noticed, from, from when they're trying to get to the next level. They're trying to figure it out, getting the mindset right it's they're hanging around with the wrong crowd or people that aren't supporting them and, and telling them they're not good enough and telling them they shouldn't do it versus yeah. being in that right crowd of people that actually have, you know, to kind of steal the, the whole man in the arena, they've it's actually been in there and have actually tried it and realized that that is what's going to lead them to fulfillment. So I'm just curious, who, do, who have you been around outside of family that's really been impactful for you? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Got that. Okay. So I wouldn't say that to start, uh, and this is why I answered it previously the way I did was I didn't have like a ton of support. I didn't have bad support. I didn't have people holding me back, so to speak, but I wasn't necessarily going out and trying to get support. I was really, I think as an entrepreneur, I was like, I needed to be ready before I tell anyone before I'm like showing everyone what's going on. And at some point I realized this is this is not getting me anywhere. I need to just be sharing my story as I go and, and asking for help from my friends or asking like, do you know anyone that would be interested in talking? And eventually what happened was uh, I like actually went to uh, like a women's small business development center that there is um, that they have in Connecticut and started going to those meetings and meeting a few people. Now, not every single person at those events ended up being great connections, but it was the fact of just going and learning. Um, and then I got a business mentor through that, which was a great sounding board just to help me kind of talk through some of my ideas and someone who is, she's definitely like pretty hardcore and is going to tell me if I'm being ridiculous or not. Um, so that was also really helpful. So I, I kind of was really leaning into more professional support versus friend support and then actually what happened is there was someone that kind of like heard through the grapevine what I was working on and she's super passionate about it and actually works for like my client's client. And we became really good friends and we have weekly calls and we just talk for two hours every week about different ideas and, and even we're like building a whole program together. So that's really exciting. And also I think when you also, when you move around a lot and you're in your mid twenties, it's hard to make new friends in new places. So I was also experiencing that and trying to figure out how do I make new friends in this new life that I'm living? I don't have a team around me at a job that I can go get happy hour with. Like I have to find ways to meet new people. And 
And then I did that through the podcast. Like that's really how I've been able to build friendships with some of these young entrepreneurs that are kind of in the same space that I am. And we're just sounding boards for each other. So mm-hmm. I think, and going back to kind of how the podcast changed my life, like that's a huge part of it. Well, and I, something you'd mentioned there that I, I, I'm going to put the word around it. And we were mentioning prior to the, the, the talk is serendipity. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can't, you know, put a, an actual like this, do this. And this is one of those when people give advice, like go do this. And then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You don't really know that. Right. You don't know exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to work out. And that's why serendipity, it's like, well, as long as you keep moving forward and try different things and go out, like you said, that event and who knows what would have happened there. I mean, we met at Next Gen Summit. In right? line. In line with, uh, with Kim Cow. <laughs> And, uh, it was and, amazing. And ran- I yeah, what, what are the odds there? And then obviously you and I got connected further and we've chatted and st- I mean, obviously we're always sharing stuff on Instagram back and forth. So it's like, that stuff is interesting to me of how that, you know, if I never went to next gen summit or for whatever reason, your flight got canceled, you couldn't make it there. We would have probably never met. Right. And so it's really just intriguing how that works. And I, I think that's so important. I think the biggest Um, piece here is that you have to just go out and try things and you have to go to events you maybe weren't going to be comfortable going to, or maybe it's your, Hey, I want to volunteer for this nonprofit. Yeah. None of my friends do this. No one I know, but you know what? It's something cool. You don't know what could come out of it. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could just, this particular topic, I could go on forever. And it's, I always tell myself like, just keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks and just try lots of different things. And even with like meeting new people and going to things by yourself, I think a lot of people are really scared of doing that. And it's definitely going out your comfort zone, but I live by the phrase, like you, you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, like just constant. I know when I'm uncomfortable, right? Like you can feel it in your gut when you're not feeling confident or good about, about maybe a scary situation. You're going to a room of people you don't know, but I always tell myself, the more often I do this, the more comfortable I'm going to be with it. So just like, get your head up, go in there and you're going to be fine. You've done it before. And the more you do it, the more you're like, okay, this is easy. It's like kind of like speaking or any public speaking or any skill like that. The more you do it, the more comfortable you are. And it goes back to the podcast. When I first did the first few episodes, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is so hard. And you've, finally find your footing and figure it out. And, um, well, we have yeah. so many preconceived notions about, you know, especially going back a lot of this in ingrained in childhood and upbringing, it's like, we think certain things are the way they are. And then we realize <laughs> like, like I, like I thought my parents used to have it all together. I'm like, they didn't know what the heck they were doing. What, you know, and now I'm a parent and I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get my act together. So, um, is there anything, you know, you believed when you were younger that basically you've disproven and like, that's, that was so ridiculous. Why'd I ever think it besides Santa, yeah. uh, hmm. you know, I don't know if I have an exact moment, but there's a Steve jobs quote that is like in one of my presentations that I give to students, um, because I give environmental like entrepreneurship presentations to colleges all over the United States. Um, And that quote is about, it's Steve Jobs. And he says, you know, once you realize that everything in the world around you is made by people no smarter than you, you'll kind of realize that you can really do anything. And it took me a really long time to get that. I think when you see someone who's so well-spoken like you or, you know, Kim Kopp or anyone like that, you're like, oh my God, they're brilliant. Like they have it all together. They know what's going on. I, I'm not that not good, right? So most people do that. Or they see someone on Instagram like, oh my gosh, they have everything together and perfect. And I think, I mean, everyone says this. It's just not the case. Like we're all just figuring it all out. And some people seem better at it than others. But I think when everyone realizes that you can make, you can change the world. Maybe you aren't not gonna change the whole world at once, but you can change someone's world. And 
Yeah, I think there was just a long time where I just felt like someone from an Ivy League or someone who worked at Google or Tesla or any of these like crazy companies are so much smarter and so much better at life than other people. It's just not the case. Like we're all the same and make mistakes and do stupid things or do funny things and we're all human, you know? Well, it's, I, I think I, I totally agree with that. I think it's the lens you look at it too, because someone that you might look online and like, wow, they got it together. Well, yeah, but they might've been doing this for 10 years and really put the time and effort and hard work into building that. And so they have not only the street cred out there, but they have all those years. So even if you're younger, my whole thing is like, there's always that next wave. There's always that next generation. There's always that next, you know, whoever, you know, insert who, right. Who's the next coolest actor now versus 10 years ago, right? There's always, so that's how I kind of continue to think about it. It's like, no, maybe I'm in a certain spot now. I got to be comfortable that where I'm at and just know where I want to go. And as long as I'm doing that and I'm doing it again from, I always look at it from the lens of integrity, honesty, like I'm positive. As long as I have that lens on it and I keep moving forward, I, I'm going to make it what I can, you know, and I can't worry about what other people, because they might, you know, they might be at a, a totally different level in their life because they put in the time for years and years and years, you know, they published 10 books. Well, yeah, because they've had X amount more time to do that. I just started, you know, kind of thing. So I think it's relevant to, for people because sometimes it's so difficult. You see someone doing something and you're almost comparing them like you started at the same time when you didn't, you know? Right. I think a great example of this is TikTok because, you know, I've heard so many like Haley Hoffman Smith, for example, um, who's been on your podcast, you know, she always talks about TikTok is like, get on it now. Like it's blowing up. And, you know, when you get on it and you're like, oh my God, some of these videos have like you know, maybe this person has one post and they have a million views. Um, that doesn't mean that they're TikTok famous. It means they posted one thing that went viral, but it was only 10 seconds. And it doesn't mean anything for, it doesn't have any real tangible value, right? It, it isn't unless you decide to be, make a business out of it and you're going to start posting more consistently. And as you post more consistently, you're going to get more followers. And and then there's this whole story around it, right? I think, you know, you you may do something once, but that doesn't mean you're going to guarantee get guaranteed overnight success. Even if you have a lot of views, it's more about the real TikTok celebrities or the people that post 20 times a day and they're getting 20,000 plus views on every single video. And they put in all this work over years and are coming up with all these creative ideas. And so it may seem like we're all jumping on TikTok all at once, but there are people that have been on it for years, sort of like building up that street cred. And so anyway, for I think it's just relevant because everyone's trying to figure out the answers to TikTok. And um, yeah, there yeah just, I, I there's agree. a background I, to it. Well, we've also moved so quick as a society that you feel like if you're not, if, you, if like tomorrow you don't launch a business, you're like the worst person in the world kind of thing. Like, even though people have taken years before, you know, you know, I've been following, as, as I say, I've been following Gary Vaynerchuk since 2011. I mean, nine years, I think about it, just insane. And it's funny that because he talks about this a lot. And now he, you know, he's in his early forties. Um, he talks about this a lot. It's like, no one knew who he was 2000, you know, whatever, six through even the early, you know, this early uh, past decade. But it just, he continually put out the content. He was a practitioner. He kept working on it. And then eventually as these platforms took off and he was at the one acting on it early on, he was able to build that tremendous following. It's not something where, again, everyone's like, oh my God, I got to do that. I, well, it's like, no, it, it takes a lot of years. You can't expect tomorrow to do this. Like give it some time, be patient. And that's why I think patience is one of the most underrated skills um, that a lot of people have. Because everyone, you know, every like you're eager to get going, right? But there's imagine the the, the kids that are 18. That's like I want to start a business tomorrow. It's like whoa, that's awesome. But you, you know, give yourself some time. Don't be so don't beat yourself up if you don't do it by 19, right? Yeah, that, that's the type of thing, you know. And I think I think it just comes with experience, right? As you realize, it's okay to fail. It's okay to you know to pivot. It's okay to do something different. Like I bet if you know if I interviewed back when you were 19, 20, you're like, 
I'm doing this, this sports, you know, whatever brand thing, I'm going to be doing that for years, yeah. you know, and now you're not. So, yeah. And, um, I mean, it goes, I think when you're young, you always are like looking to that next like age bracket. You're like, when I'm 16, I get to do all these things. When I'm 18, I get to do all these things. When I'm 21 and when I'm, by the time I'm 25 and by the time I'm 30, like it's almost like we're kind of programmed to think that way. And I just, I think it goes back to when we originally talked, you know, months and months ago, when you were telling me about starting a podcast, you're like, just start with an episode a week, just like be consistent with that. And, you know, you don't have to have like 20, 20 episodes, you know, within a week of starting, you know, you're going to burn out if you try to do too much at once, just figure out what it is to take those like baby steps just to be consistent in that is going to fit in your lifestyle, right? Like as if I, there's no way I could do, I know some people that do an episode every day. I just can't, like I have too many other things I have to do. And if I had set up that expectation, then of course I would fail, right? You got to build your confidence slowly. Um, and that kind of goes back to what we had said before it, you know, figure out what do you, is you want to kind of do and look into the future and then you know, find ways to build that into your lifestyle now in, in small steps. Yeah. I Easier said than done. Well, that's true. Well, I, well how, let me ask you that before I get back to, I, I still have it circled here. I'm coming back to it. Um, how do you deal with the anxiety or, or fear that creeps up? I have to imagine it comes in your head. <laughs> oh, um, I have a we're, lot We're of laying on the therapist chair or the, the I, couch here. This is... We go in depth here. I have a lot of anxiety. Like I am someone who, um, especially when I was living in New York, like New York just amplifies your anxiety because you're just around people all the time and you, it, it's just a crazy place. And I thought when I left New York, it would kind of go away and it has. And of course the coronavirus has definitely uh, amplified that to new levels. Um, and I think I, I deal with anxiety by being really mindful. I have, I've really, in the past year, spent a lot of time really being in tune with like my body and how it feels and sort of, okay, I do this one thing and this is the reaction to that one thing and, and understanding what's good and what's bad and really avoiding the bad as much as possible. So I know when I have anxiety creeping up, okay, have I moved today? No, I haven't. Okay. That's probably why I'm starting to overthink X, Y, Z. Once I move and I can kind of get out of my head, I can kind of, I calm down and I can move on with the rest of my day. There's definitely everybody, everybody's different. And, um, so I think that's one thing is just always being active. The second I'm not active, you just, I get like a really negative mentality and anxiety definitely spikes. Um, I'm not as good at meditation. I know everyone says meditation. I don't let, I don't meditate every day. I rarely meditate. It's something I would like to do. Um, and I think right now with everything that's going on, I'm almost like too mindful. I can't meditate, but how to deal with anxiety. I think a lot of times I call people, I like just call a friend and have, either share what I'm feeling or just talk to them about their day to kind of distract me from being inside my head too much. And it also helps me get that social interaction. I'm definitely an extrovert. And with everything that's going on now, it's hard to be extroverted. And I also take CBD. Like I need to kind of calm. I use that to keep myself a little bit calmer. And that's not the answer for everybody. Um, yeah, but it is for me. What What about fear? Right, fear is why I took me. It took me two years to start this podcast, um, and 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 it took me longer to do a few a few things. That's why I call myself a late bloomer. What about fear? Have that has that did that come into play? I know when we were talking about the podcast initially, I mean that was something obviously you had anxiety of starting it. Did you have fear to actually start it? Yeah, I had fear in the sense of again, am I going to fail at this? And I think when you've failed at a business before, there's this 
I mean, this creeps, this creeped up on me actually last week. I was like, I just am so scared that I'm going to fail again, that now I'm, we're put in a position now where it's so much harder to succeed and the situation isn't, doesn't bode well for most self-employed people. Um, and I think that fear from failing in the past, it creeps up on you and you just don't want it to happen again. And, and what if you put in all this work and nothing comes from it? And what if you say you're going to do something and then you don't, and then you ruin a relationship, like a business relationship. And I think there's a lot of anxiety all the time, especially when I have a deliverable, I like, I really can lose my mind of, um, it has to be done. It has to be done perfectly. And is it to their expectation? And maybe they don't know what a sustainability report looks like or is supposed to look like, but who they're sending it to, their sustainability teams for their clients, they're going to be judging my work. And is it good enough? And that, I mean, it, it happens all the time. And as a business owner, you have no other sounding board except your friends and your family and your loved ones. And they don't necessarily know what you're going through. And having other friends in entrepreneurship is really key because they're going through all of those feelings. Um, but I do think fear, fear can be helpful in the sense that it helps you get moving, right? It helps you make choices. It kind of lights a fire under your, your feet to kind of get rolling. But I think the only way I can deal with fear is to be productive and to just say, okay, I'm really scared of this happening, but I'm scared because there's something I'm not doing. And if I do this thing, maybe it satiates my fear for a little while. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I've almost compared it like fear to pain. I think a pain, like working out, you know, a lot of people don't think about pain, but it's like to push to that next level to get over, get through it. Sometimes you just have to keep going. And yeah. even though it hurts really bad, because eventually it like, it, it peters out, if you will. And you're like, oh, there's no, oh, the fear went away. You know, it's kind of subsides, but mm -hmm. you have to kind of get past that point. I don't know. That's how I think about it. At least now kind of have been through some of these experiences. Um, yeah. And it's temporary, right? Like the pain goes away eventually. I, there was a really great line I heard on another podcast. I don't remember who said it, um, but it was pain is mandatory in life suffering is optional, right? Because suffering is when you start to right, get in your head and you just, you can't seem to get away from that, that pain and you're, you're not necessarily solving it, whatever that means to you. Um, but once you realize that you're gonna have pain, that makes it a little bit easier to manage it. Because once you start to manage it once, you can manage it the second time and then the third time. Um, but I mean, everything, there's so many different kinds of pain. There's yeah. like physical pain and there's heartbreak and there's disappointment. And, um, I think we all deal with it differently. And I tend to go to work when I feel pain, just That's to distract myself, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I started the podcast because I went through a really bad breakup, like really bad. Oh, so that was like my distraction. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. You never told me that. I like couldn't face it. I think it was like so blindsiding and so shocking that it was very hard for me to even believe that it was real. And so the only, I mean, I couldn't like move for a day after it happened. And, and then I finally like had to like pick myself up and be like, well, what do I do? I don't have a job. Uh, I have no income. Uh, I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It was like the thing that gave me joy. Like I knew that I loved talking to people and loved learning. And I was like, let me put my energy into something that I know I'm going to love doing. So, I mean, I think, and we can go down that path such for a long time, because I think that could be a motivator, right? I mean, that as much as you had a lot of pain, a lot of, you know, anguish in that situation you use it as a motivator where again you could certainly have you know and and no one would have faulted you to it for three weeks you could have sat sat in bed and, and cried every day right but you decide <laughs> to use that um as a, as a positive so 
kudos to you. And here you are, 29 episodes and, and rolling strong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't ever want to like give that relationship the reward of like, oh, I started this podcast and this business because of that. Um, it definitely was just more of the time. Yeah, the time was right. And I was ready for to be distracted with something and busy. And it was just the right time. Well, and by the way, too, again, we're probably gonna have a whole podcast just on this, but like, I really think the relationships, um, that could be an indicator, right? Because sometimes you're in it and you're like, yeah, we're good, things are whatever, life's whatever. And then you have that, whoa, and it's just a wake up call. And Mm -hmm. again, I'm not going to assume anything, but my assumption is you've looked back and you're like, yeah, probably good that that ended. There was probably some red flags, right? Mm-hmm, so maybe that decision was good that it was made for you, you know? Uh, yeah. It's kind of like people being fired from a job or laid off and they're like, yeah, probably should have been, I, I probably want to do something anyways better. So I needed that kick in the pants, you know? And sometimes it's a, it's a very strange way to look at it, but I don't know. That's, I'm a strange guy. So I think I always look at things like that. Um, I'm just naturally someone who tries to always find the silver lining and it drives some of my friends crazy because a lot of people just kind of want to sit in that feeling, that bad feeling. I'm like, well, maybe this is why, or like, maybe this is a good thing because of X, Y, Z. And, and I, maybe I'm uncomfortable just constantly sitting in the negative, um, that I have to find a way to make it positive Mm -hmm. just to be able to like get through it. Um, but Oh, I always, I, but I do, I always try to think of like, this is a great opportunity to learn something. This is a great opportunity to learn about myself. This is a great opportunity for me to learn about what I need in a relationship and what I don't need in a relationship and, and now how to ask for that in the future. And that has served me so, so much. And I, so I think every opportunity is a chance to learn. Absolutely. All right. I want to talk about this vision. I, I got it. I got, I have it circled here. I told you I'm coming back to it because I, I want to, I mean, the big thing is, is like, when did you realize that this was your mission? This was your vision in life of the sustainability, the environment. I mean, I'm sure it was kind of always there because, you know, maybe, maybe not, but you were going to go into the sports, you know, uh, apparel thing or whatever. Right. I mean, like you were going to do that. That has nothing to do with environment. So why the environment? When did this creep up as like, this is the thing? Yeah. So, okay. Well, it's also interesting. So in undergrad, I actually studied environmental policy um, and could have minored in business, but my school wasn't really set up that way. So I was always learning about environmental policy and geology and science. And I even studied abroad in Australia for sustainability. I designed my own study abroad. I got this special grant. I was the only student that went and got a really cool experience out there. And so for a long time, also in college, I was always torn between I'm really passionate about sports and empowering people and community and education. And I'm also really inspired by the environment and like want to do something there. And so my first year at a job when I was trying to do both, I was environmental scientist and trying to like figure out want to be varsity outside of college where I'm no longer in the sports arena. um, I felt so like it was like my heart was just like constantly being ripped apart. And so ended up happening was my next job in tech, I got to kind of combine the two. So I worked for a company that was a health and wellness tech company that was really focused on creating interior spaces that were healthy, promoted, active, you know, occupants were, was all about, um, you know, clean air and clean water for people and promoting that. So it was a kind of like a hybrid of both of my passions. And so that was when I realized, okay, I could kind of do both. I could do both. And when I started getting into sustainability management for that company, I just like fell in love with it. Like I was reading corporate sustainability reports for fun. And actually the army as like one of the most comprehensive sustainability reports. And I built a lot of my sustainability plans based on like the U.S. Army's sustainability plan. And, and that was when I was like, okay, this is really what I need to start investing my time in. And that was why I went to grad school on sustainable business. So 
and Tesla was just like a natural, you know, naturally I was art, love cars. Um, I love the environment. So that was like really fun for me. And then I had done all this work and I talked to all these people and I built different programs and all these different businesses. And I was like, you know, I, I really feel like there's something missing here. Like we're really missing making this fun. Like we've made climate change so negative and so awful and so scary. No one wants to talk about it. How do I make it fun? And so I start, that was when I started studying gamification and apps that were really popular. And, and then getting this idea of how do I teach people sustainability and climate change and actually make it fun for them because that is how we're going to get habits to stick that's how we're going to get people to care about this and you know I always used to say like sustainability was never a dinner table conversation it was never you know you brought up you know natural disaster at the dinner table no one wants to invite you to dinner anymore right like you're the negative Nancy no one wants to be that person but when you can flip the conversation into something like, oh my God, like I heard about this company and they're making like these, these sweatsuits have gone viral because they're making them out of like organic and recycled cotton and using vegetable dyes. Um, and they're donating all this money to doctors without borders. Like that's a con that's like something you'd want to hear about. So and so I had this like vision of like, okay, I need to build a program or an app that like overlays other apps that makes it really easy for people and to learn about recycling and food waste with companies that like food companies that are already investing all this money into the space. And so my idea is to build this app, but apps are super expensive. They're like $80,000 for like a really good app. And if people don't use your app, you know, to start, they're never going to use it. There's so many apps that you download probably and you never use again, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, how do I get enough money to make that app? I can't do it right now. I don't have the experience. I don't have clients. I have nothing. Um, and I decided to just start with what I could do. And that was working with brands in sustainability and sustainable design. And that's how I'll get my introductions. And that's how I'll build a client base that can then support me when I want to do this launch, when I'm ready. Um, and until then, I'm gathering a ton of data on consumers. So that's really the vision. I know it's, it was a long answer. Um, that's why we're in podcast form. This is not like a segment on the news. You can talk for as long as you want. That's, uh, that's what's fun about it. Yeah. I want you to go deep. This is great. Um, well, so let me go. I'm going to go with the app. Well, so the is there a is there a timeline? Are you trying to, as you saying, you're building these consumer, you know, data reports, those type of things? And do you have kind of a plan of when? And it may not be a certain date, but is it is it later this year? Is it next yeah. year? Like, how how are you thinking through that from an app development? And well, the thing is, is now I'm not even sure I want the app, but I oh. know that the point of the app was to make sustainability fun. And that vision is what led me to making the podcast, Make Climate Cool Again, talking about things that are fun. And now I'm like working on programming with Estee Lauder to, um, with someone who works for Estee Lauder to like create, again, a fun program. And maybe in, I was always thinking maybe five years. Um, I don't know what technology is gonna look like in five years. Maybe, and especially now, we don't know what's gonna happen. So. I think I want to be ready for that kind of transition, but I'm also really open to whatever is kind of new and exciting in a few years, but always having this intention of making sustainability really fun, really interesting, educational, and positive. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great point, actually. Um, it, you know, I call, you know, this thing I kind of coined it as is the North Star is you don't know exactly what it's going to be. It's not a flag in the ground of, hey, I need an app because that's just a product. You're trying to change the way people think. And I think you said it right is how do we make, you know, in, the environment sustainability? How do we make that fun? Like that's your mission. And there's a million ways to do it, right? 
Yeah. So I think like that's so what's many. That a you're billion. figuring. Huh? A billion ways. A billion. Yeah. I mean, you're, but you're, I, I like how you're like, yeah, I may not do the app. I may, and, and again, that's one of the things I always struggle with. Cause again, it's like, oh man, if I don't do this, am I going to be a failure? It's like, no, because as long as I'm going down my path of my mission, that's all that matters. Because as you mentioned, yeah, who knows what technology is going to be down the road? Who, who knows how kids are going to learn in five to 10 years? It might be totally different. So why, why build something again, if that you're not totally with right now? So I think that's a cool way to look at it. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you're going down the mission, I think that's where the challenge most folks have is they don't even go down their mission. They have it inside. It's bottled up. It's like, I, I have this fire burning but they continually every day that they don't do something with it, um, it, it just builds up inside and it eats away at them. That's what pains me the most. Yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a client who didn't have a mission statement for 14 years, 15 years. And they're like, well, we want, you know, we want to be more sustainable. And we want to incorporate this into our mission. And so, well, we need a mission. <laughs> You know, so let's talk about that. What do you want for your business? So I, I end up doing a lot of like just corporate consulting in general, because you, when you're thinking about sustainability in business, you really have to look at every element um, of what you're doing. And I kind of wish I had led my intro with my mission just so that people could like understand what I'm about to get started. But if you listen this long, now, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll mention it in the intro. That's all right. <laughs> okay. Um, let me ask you this one, one or two more questions because I, we've been going, I mean, this has been a really good discussion. This has been awesome. Um, I appreciate your depth on some stuff. I'm, I'm a big believer in habits, right? I think mm -hmm. habits are like the cornerstone of, you know, really how you structure your day, your week, relationships, all of that and building those right habits into play. Are there any, or one you'd share a bit more recently, maybe you've put in that's been a positive uh, for your life? You know, it's really funny you say this because I'm not even kidding you. My notebook right next to me, I have a page that says habits that I was like thinking about that I wanted to like really make sure I was doing the next week because I found that during the quarantine, when I don't have a routine, I'm like a mess. Like I can't, I I'm so unproductive. I'm tired. I just like, can't like get it together. But when I actually have a routine of expectations for myself, the day goes by way faster and easier. Um, so one thing that I've been like thinking about is incorporating, reaching out to three people every day to kind of check in. Um, cause that kind of, that kind of just allows me to be social because I am an extrovert. I need that interaction all the time. And typically I bother the same people over and over again. No, I'm kidding. They're my friends. Um, but it's just, I think the quarantine can kind of make connections harder because I, I mean, I can't even think about Friday right now. Like I don't even, and that's in two days. I have no idea. Um, but just knowing like, okay, what are, who are three people I haven't talked to recently that I just need to make that connection, just see how they're doing. Um, and that's just beneficial for me building relationships and, and um, feeling connected. So that's like one habit that I've been trying to incorporate. Um, and also I'm trying to incorporate just a midday walk or stretch just to kind of get my body moving because as an entrepreneur, and just being inside all the time, it's so easy for me to sit at my computer from eight in the morning to 10 at night and not move. If I don't like just force myself to go out and do something. And I, it took me a while to kind of like set up my, I have an indoor trainer for my bike and got the Peloton app. So I'll go down and like do a little quick 30 minute class or go take my dogs for a walk or just stretch to kind of get away from screens and, and do it in the middle of the day so that um, it breaks things up a little bit. Otherwise, yeah, I'll just marathon in front of my screens. Those are good, but I think that you, you talk about that routine is so helpful to you because it, and I think it's good you have that kind of A-B testing. Hey, if I don't have a routine, I know this day is going to be just a shit show, you know, yeah. and it's going to be all over the place. So it's nice that you actually have that in play. Um, so that's, and I think also it's important to note that I 
before all this was happening, I traveled a ton. Like I was in New York all the time and I live in Connecticut, but I'm like a three hour commute to New York. So on the days that I was commuting to New York, I was just all over the place. I was never in one spot. And so for the really the first time in my life, I've had a routine with the quarantine. Um, so it's been really nice because it's something I can just kind of rely on right now. That's really, yeah. That's, and again, that's another positive spin on it, right? You can mm-hmm. take the negative approach, but I like how you've taken the positive path. And I think that's the, uh, the best way to go about it. All right. I want to end on this. I'll give you some time to think about it. You can, you can answer how you like. There's no right or wrong answer here. So I want to think, I want you to think back 10 years or so ago, late high school, going into college, et cetera, right? If you were to write something to your, let's say, 18-year-old self, and you only had a post-it note to write it on, so it's got to be something short, sweet, to the point, what would you write to yourself knowing what you know now? I think it's hard because I'm like almost, I'm such a similar person as to what I was in high school. Like I just always leaned into knowing that I was different and knowing that I was super driven and didn't really care if people like, I just was, I did all the things like, again, like I volunteered in so many different places and was on every club and just always wanted to absorb experiences and and be part of something bigger. Um, And so it's hard because that mentality has just served me well. Is there anything you've learned though, in those 10 years though, that you didn't know back then where it's like, man, that would have been nice to know when I was 18. I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but spend time with your friends. I say that because when I was in, again, when I was in high school, I was doing all these things. I didn't have a really good, like close friend group. And in college, I kind of did something similar. I was really focused on my business, but I started this entrepreneurship club where I finally had like friends that were in the same headspace as me. And I leaned into those friendships and then I moved to New York and I, you know, had to make friends there. And I think when I was in high school, I just like didn't hang out with friends as much. And now I realize how important those relationships are to me and how much I would give to maintain those. And I, I would, there are some relationships I would like, I, I would ditch my entire business for some of my friends if I had to, because that's how much they mean to me. Um, and I don't think I ever would have thought that way in high school. I was like pretty selfish. So Friends just make life better and they're the people that you can lean on and that support you and they're going to be there for you. Just ask, just ask, spend time with them, make them feel like you care about them and they'll care about you. I mean, that's just how relationships are, right? So I think just leaning into those relationships. That's a great reflection. Very good. (laughs) All right. I was a loner. No, I'm kidding. What, uh, where can everyone find you online? Yeah. So they can find me. I have two Instagram accounts. My personal is smilt one, two, seven. And then my business account is at make climate cool on Instagram, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Miltenberger or my website, um, make climate And the podcast name Make Climate Cool Again. Yeah. Make Climate Cool Again. I still love that name. I love that name. It's a great name. I'm so appreciative of you joining on here. This was awesome. Glad to have you on. Glad to chat with you. And uh, and good luck. Look forward to connecting soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for interviewing. And I love your podcast. And I listen to it quite frequently on my rotation. So thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you all for joining in on another episode, or if this is your first one, I appreciate you being here and certainly grateful for the listen. Uh, Come back and check another guest out. we got some great ones coming up as well. And if you guys don't mind, I'd love a review on Apple if you have 15 to 20 seconds. You might even be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, so you can just scroll down to the bottom and go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It only gets us out to more people, and you know, I'm a big believer that all the different experiences that we have in our own journeys, if we share those together, if we get those out, it might encourage other people to take that leap of faith, 
step outside their comfort zone and ultimately achieve fulfillment in their life. So I look forward to connecting with you guys online as well. Uh, my website, brianondraco.com. Hit me up on a note there or Instagram and Twitter at brianondraco. Besides, I'm out on LinkedIn as well if you just search my name. So hope to connect with you guys real soon. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.